Well, thank you uh, for the Operation Christmas Child and for the book review. It's good to look at these things. And yeah, I have read this book. Uh, Stella's read it as well uh, by Motsi, but I can't call him Motsi. You've got to call him by his full name because that's what's on the book. And you know, before you read a book, uh, you want to know what it's about. One time I worked for C Tinling and Company and um, I was in Prescott and they had one in Liverpool as well. And uh, one of the important things about a book is the introduction. The, a few words that give you um, a, a short insight into what the book has to say. And you will see people in bookshops standing, reading the back, and that's what you need to do. And maybe having a look at um, what people say about it inside, recommendations, and also who wrote the book. So we've been reading, or Matthew read, from the book of Psalms, and he read the first psalm. Now, the first psalm in the book of Psalms, it's a very short, a very um, easy psalm to read. And I think we're probably very familiar with it, but how do we relate it to us today? You know, we think, oh, this is just a little short psalm. I'll just read the psalm, though. I'll have a little think about it. But how well do we think about it? You see, this little psalm, in these few words, speaks about how to be happy. Okay, let's stop for a moment. This is true happiness. This is how to be truly happy. It tells us, or it at least gives an insight into where the meaning of true happiness is found. And in these few words, it warns us against ignoring what is good, sound advice. And it speaks about gains and losses. Yes, all in those few words that Matthew read to us. And if you look at it, you'll notice how it starts with how to be accepted and it ends with warning about being rejected. There are the little sort of brackets around the psalm. Psalm 1 gives us an insight into what we will find in the, in the book of Psalms. And this one psalm is only one of 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is only one of the 66 books in what we call the Book of Books. See why it's called the Book of Books? And the name for it is just the book. And what is that? What is that? The Bible, that's what the Bible means. It's a book. That's what it is. But it's a book of books. Another thing is to look for the author. Who is the author of the book of books? Ultimately, God is the author. How about that for a recommendation? Hey, I'll just uh, have a word with... Uh, you hear that? <laughs> you're the author of this book, and you're great. But the one who's the author of the book of books is God. So let's take a look this morning, a short look at Psalm 1, which, like all the Psalms, is actually written to be, it's written to be read, it's written to be sung, and it's written 
as a prayer to be prayed. Psalm 1. Open your Bibles if you've got them, Psalm 1. And we're going to look at verse 1 and 2. We're going to ask the question, who is blessed? Blessed is... Let's stop. Who is blessed? Blessed is the one... Now notice this, notice, notice the knots, okay? Notice the knots. Blessed is the one who does not walk. And also notice that. These are things we do. You know, we walk, we stand, we sit. Okay? We mix together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. That covers all the angles, doesn't it? This is what he doesn't want us to do. Verse 2. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. This is what the psalmist wants us to do. Blessed. Now listen, I'm going to read this little bit again and I want you to take note of the first and the last word that I said. Okay, that's pretty easy though, isn't it? Keep them in your mind, right? Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked. Two words. Blessed. The word blessed, it comes from the Hebrew word. In the translation, we, uh, in English, we say blessed, but the actual Hebrew word is this word, and I don't know Hebrew, but I've looked at what the experts say. It's the word asher, which is O-S-H-E-R. Asher. That means blessed. It's derived Another word that's derived from that word, Asha. Can you guess what it might be? It's Asha. Asha and Asha are both the same. In Hebrew, they both mean happy. So, blessed here means happy. We all want to be happy, don't we? Listen to what we read in Genesis 30. Just two verses, 12 and 13. Leah's servant, Zilpah, bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, how happy I am. She was absolutely delighted. So much so that she said, how happy I am. Then she said, the women will call me happy. Eh? Yeah, and then we read on. So she named, this is the son, Asher. Eh? That's the word blessed. Asher, Osher, happy. That's what blessed means. Blessed here, in this context, is the happiness that only God can give. Right. It's not the superficial happiness that we quite rightly draw from other things. You know, we like a laugh, we like comedy, we feel happy, something in our life happens, we feel happy. This is the happiness that can only come from God. I said, remember the two words? We've done one. Do you remember what the other one was? Okay. What do you think when you hear the word wicked? Right. What did you think when you heard wicked? You know, my first thought is this. I'm not wicked. I might not be perfect, 
But I'm not a wicked person. Stop a moment. Wicked? What, what, what does it actually mean? We read it a lot in the Bible. And whenever we read it, we always think it's not me. It's not about me. I'm not a wicked person. Let's go to the dictionary. I looked at the Cambridge Dictionary, right? I looked up the meaning of the word wicked in the Cambridge Victory. You know what it said? Wicked. Morally wrong or bad. Oh, on a minute. That word wicked is coming closer to me. Morally wrong or bad. Think that at some time or other, we all fall into those categories. So God has every right to refer to me, no matter what I think, no matter what you think about me, to refer to me as wicked, morally bad, or morally bad, morally and bad. Immorality. You can go to our Bibles. Where is immorality? Jesus said. It was indeed in what we do, but it's also in thought. Yeah? Anyone here want to say they've never had an immoral thought? Bad things. Bad things. Things that we do, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes deliberately. Whichever way it is, we always do it with the hope that no one else will find out. Because we know they are bad things. Anyone here come under the finger of being called wicked by God? If you think you don't, put it into the day's language. Put it into the English language. Go and have a look at the Cambridge Dictionary and see what it says. Psalm goes on. Or stand in the way that sinners take. Well, here's another question. How do people ask this? It's a word we, we really only come across in the Bible or from the mouths of someone who is a Christian. Little three-letter word. Sin. What is sin? Well, to put it simply, sin is the act of offending God. Okay? Get that. That's what it means, the act of offending God. <laughs> I've never offended God. I'm a nice person. How, how, how could God be offended with me? No not be offended with me but be offended of who I am and what condition I am in and those two things cover everybody each one of us the act of offending God let's consider this on a, a, a personal level on a day to day level I want us to understand then what is being said here in this little psalm. And more importantly, not just what is being 
said on a natural level, but what's being said on a spiritual level. It's God who's speaking here. One way to offend a person. Okay, put your thinking caps on. Think about it now. Just spend a few seconds. You want to offend somebody. How are you going to do it? One when you're probably saying, well, I don't want to offend anybody. Probably because we don't want people to not like us. It's probably our reason for not wanting to offend people. But we do offend people. One way to offend a person is to deliberately ignore them. Ever done that? For whatever reason. Not to listen to them. Not as well. Not speaking to them. And to treat them is as if they don't exist. Anybody not done that? Treat somebody as though they don't exist. On a human level, it's wrong. It's wicked to do that. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, as well as the Bible. Sit in the company of mockers. I don't mock God. I don't even mock people. I do, you know. Maybe I tell jokes I shouldn't tell. Maybe I say things I shouldn't say. Maybe I gossip about people. And in that gossiping, I actually mock them. Deuteronomy 5, verse 11. You ever mock God? This is what this verse says. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. That is mocking God. That is, according to the dictionary, wicked. Okay, let's move on. Those who try to avoid these things that the psalmist is speaking about. Those who seek to abide by God's ways, they are acknowledging God. They are treating God with reverence. And they are blessed. To be blessed is to be delighting. You see, the psalmist is talking about the blessed, those who are blessed. And he says that those who are blessed are delighted. But their delight is in the word of God. Their delight that the psalmist is talking about, those who are blessed, they're delighted in the ways of God. And they live their lives in the light of what God has given them. Let's do another line, another psalm. Psalm 35, verse 1, uh, verse 9. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. This is where the delight of those who God calls blessed is. This is where that blessedness from God is found. And when it's found, it is delightful. Where is it found? It's found in the salvation that God has provided. And that brings true meaningful happiness to delight in the salvation of what God has provided. Listen to a verse from Hebrews. It's Hebrews chapter 1 and it's verse 3. And this is talking about 
Jesus, referring to what he's provided for you and I, that thing that we can find true happiness in and delight in. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. It's shining out. It's, that's the thing of beauty, isn't it? Radiance. You know, beautiful day today. Sun is shining. It's a radiant day. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. That's who he is. He's God. What's he doing? Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Purification. That is something that God gives. And once you've got it, you have it and you don't lose it. You are different. It's a one-off thing to be purified. But just for the sake of this morning, let's carry on. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He took up his rightful place. He sat on his throne as king of kings in his rightful place. That provision for us to be called blessed by God, blessed by God, was made possible when Jesus carried your sins and my sins and he took them to the cross and he took on his shoulders the punishment that you and I deserve so that we would not need to suffer. The answer was there. It was provided and it was offered, but there was more that had to happen. We have to accept it. If we don't accept what's provided for us, we don't get it. We don't have it. We looked at the book of Colossians. I'm just going to read two verses from that book. We spent a few weeks in. This is from chapter 1. This is what Paul said. For he rescued us. That's what he said to the church. So what's he saying here? He's saying he saved us. That's the word salvation there. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's Jesus. In whom we have redemption and forgiveness of, here's that word again, sins. Well, who's blessed? The person who can delight in the law of the Lord. The person who takes God at his word. The person who believes God's word and accepts the provision that he has made for them. He's saying a lot in this little psalm, isn't he? The psalmist. The psalmist is telling us that God's word has the life-giving nourishment that our souls long for and our souls need. And it's available. Available to all who will accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. He's the one who can supply our daily needs that give us life and then continue to supply us with that life which is eternal life. John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread. That's what the life is, the bread. I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Will constantly fail. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We won't be thirsting after other things. We will have the one who is the Holy Spirit. Psalm 1 verse 3. Let's ask, what is the person actually like? The person who turns their back on sin and turns their eyes and hearts to Jesus. What is that person like? Well, the psalmist is going to tell us. See, he's a poet. Oh, he uses poetry. That person is like, he isn't actually, but he's very much like, that person is like a tree. Not just any tree. A tree planted by streams of water. And what does that do? Which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You know, when you look at a tree, there's something that you don't always see. Certainly not on first observation. Maybe if you dig around a bit, you will. It's the roots. And in particular, where the roots go. They're beneath the surface. They draw in the things that give it life. And what better place for a tree to be than by the river. That's where it receives its life, maintains its life, and it will flourish. The tree is fed. The tree yields fruit. And its fruit has the potential to feed others. There's another sermon there. <laughs> now, one line. For this morning, let's just stay in this song. Psalm 1 verse 45 Not so the wicked They are like shaft That the wind blows away Therefore the wicked will not stand In the judgment of sinners They'll not stand Because they won't survive in the judgment Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. In other words, they won't survive. That's what that is saying. In other words, the shaft is waste. The illustration here is of the harvest. He's still sticking with the natural things. You know, he spoke about a tree, and now he's speaking about the harvest and the shaft. The part of the crop that is separated from the grain. The grain is taken to the storehouse, and the shaft becomes the waste that is destroyed. This is what John the Baptist said about Jesus. You find this in Luke 3 verse 17. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. See what we've got there? We've got a choice there. Two ways. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. As we close, 
Who are the righteous? Is it the good, the good people of this world? Do we put ourselves among the righteous because we are good and we seem to be doing on a human level the right things? Are the righteous, the good people of this world who earn their way into God's good books? A lot of people trying to do that by doing a lot of good things. I don't berate the good things they do, but it's the reasons they do them. <coughs> now, the righteous are the people of this world who have seen that their goodness, no matter how good it is, is not good enough for God. See, they're not righteous because you cannot make yourself righteous, certainly not in the eyes of God. You cannot earn the title of being righteous, but you can become righteous. Romans 5, 17 through to 19. Let me just read these verses. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, he's speaking about Adam, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man this other man is, and this text tells us, Jesus Christ. Consequently, passage goes on, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act, this act resulted in justification, being made right with God, one of thing, and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, Adam, the many are made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, that is Jesus, they may be made righteous by God. <coughs> Who are the righteous? The sinner who has accepted God's offer of salvation. Then he makes us righteous. Then we have that righteousness that we have to work at. You don't have to work at justification. You're already justified. But righteousness you have to work at. We are righteous because in the eyes of God we're set free from sin. Oh, we fail at times, yeah. That's why, that's why we need our Bibles. That's why we need to gather together. That's why we need to look at these things so that we can continue in the way that we should go. Well, there's the other question. Who are the wicked? The wicked is the sinner, yeah? Like the righteous, yeah? How is he unlike the righteous? Because the sinner is the one who refuses God's offer of salvation. It's all here in this song. 
Listen to this quote from R.C. Sproul. Okay, listen, listen to this and maybe think about it now. Maybe think about it when you go away. We are not sinners because we sin. It's not the things we do that makes us sinners. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Do you get that? We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Sinners who need salvation, who need to be called the blessed by God and be made righteous in his sight. I said that this psalm speaks of how to be happy, truly happy. It tells us where the true meaning of happiness is found, blessed. John 13, 33. I have told you, Jesus said this, these things, so that in me you may have peace. That's the happiness that God gives. No one else can give. That peace brings the happiness that God gives, the blessedness. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This psalm, it warns us against ignoring what is sound advice. And it speaks about gains and losses. See that? Right at the very end. The gains and the losses. Matthew 12, verse 26. I'm going to finish with these few verses. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Psalm starts with how to be accepted and ends with a warning of being rejected. I'm just going to finish with these two verses from John chapter 10 and then one question and I will leave you with the question. John 10, 14 and 15. And it's all in this psalm. Think about these words that Jesus said and then think about how we stand. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know my Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the question is, whose flock do I belong to? Father, we thank you again for your word. Thank you for this very short, very easy to read psalm. But it's so profound because although the psalmist wrote it, by the power of your spirit, Lord, are the author. May we seek more of you and more of your word. And may we do it in the name of Jesus. Amen.